There, there is nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed and bleed and bleed. What's this? Bleeding Ink, a podcast for indie authors with J.S. Leonard. Hello, hello. Episode four of Bleeding Ink right here, right now. David Bruns and J.R. Olson are my guests today. They're both Naval Academy graduates, and they've teamed up to write a book called Weapons of Mass Deception. It's a modern-day nuclear terrorist novel under the chilling premise that Saddam Hussein really did have nuclear weapons, and they were smuggled into the hands of a mysterious Iranian operative on the eve of the Second Gulf War. Thrilling. Sounds awesome. Um, we'll be giving away some copies of that, so please head over to bleedinginc.fm to enter. Now I want to talk a little bit about something. Um, unfurling an idea among some fertile mental soil and tending to its incessant and desperate demands until it takes its natural shape ready for harvest has killed many a good writer. These ideas recruit the unwavering if they wish to see themselves realized. And though we may falter, it is through brash perseverance that we sow words into novels. And to put it plainly, this shit is hard. But does it need to be as hard? Is there some means of reducing these skyscraping hurdles and lend a plow to our weathered hands? Well, I think David Bruns and Jared Olson have discovered how. In this episode of Bleeding Ink, we learn of their co-writing process, of taking complementary skill sets and mashing them into a solid whole, into a sane reaper of words. Yaman metaphors aside, David and JR impressed me with a cleverness few writers seem to throw at the writing process. Kickstarter deflected budget issues? Questionnaires enhanced beta reader data? Well, David wrote JR researched. Their efforts rewarded one another's weaknesses. And at the end of it all, these two men are now rocketing toward a second novel with smiles on their faces. I envy them. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Really happy to have two really cool guys on the podcast today. I have David Bruns and J.R. Olson, or uh, aka John. Um, they are the co- they, they co-wrote a book called Weapons of Mass Deception, and um, it's a really interesting book. David and I happened to meet at uh, the World Domination Summit, which was last, I think it was last week. Was it last week or two weeks ago, David? I can't remember now. I think it was two weeks ago now. Two weeks ago. Man, time flies. <laughs> it's crazy. How, how, how did uh, WDS go for you? Good, actually. I wasn't sure what to expect because I'd never been before, but it was a great community of people. Um, met so many people that I have followed their blogs or 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 followed their their writing and got to meet them in person. Uh, so it was really great from that perspective and so many just inspirational stories, too. Yeah, man. I actually found it to be quite the uh, an intense conference. I, I didn't think I'd be crying so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I admitted it. It was it was it got it got pretty, pretty deep, man. Yeah, it, it certainly did. Um, so how did you two meet how did you two start writing together you want to take that one jr sure so david and i are both graduates of the u.s naval academy and on a monthly basis here in the twin cities area we have what's called an all service academy breakfast and that's uh open to graduates from uh, both you know west point air force academy annapolis and even the coast guard academy and so when I had retired from the Navy back in uh, early 2011, I went to one of those breakfasts and that's where I met David. And uh, we kept running into each other at the breakfast and got to know each other over a period of time. 
And uh, we were both invited to go speak at the Naval Academy Parents Association of Minnesota to talk to parents about the Naval Academy and what their, their son or daughter could expect uh, while they're at the Academy during their time in service and, uh, and after they got out of the Navy. And I'll turn it over to David to continue from there. Yeah, so, so there's uh, myself and JR and one other guy were, were in front of a group of, I don't know, about 50 parents who, <laughs> who have current midshipmen at the academy. And uh, so we just started with a little bio. And I gave a very short bio. I graduated in 1988. I was in submarines for uh, six years. I got out and I was in high tech and sales and marketing and general management for about 20 years. And then I suddenly decide well i didn't suddenly decide i had wanted to be a writer all my life and i mm-hmm. sort of realized that you know i wasn't getting any younger so so i struck mm-hmm. out on that about two years ago uh, and i had been doing that for a little over a year when this when this meeting happened and jr went after me now jr and i had known each other for about three years at that point through this service academy connection we actually didn't know each other at the academy we didn't know each other when we were active duty so he starts giving his resume and we had talked about what we had done in the navy it was always shorthand and he gave a pretty detailed breakdown of some of the stuff he had done he was a cia trained case officer and had done some really cool assignments overseas in bosnia and places like this Mm. and i'm sitting there thinking i didn't know that i didn't know that and after he finished after like 15 minutes one of the parents raised their hand and said you two should get together and write a book <laughs> that's um, great so like the 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 next week i uh asked him out to lunch i said hey what do you think about this book idea he said i think it's a great idea and i've got a great concept for a book and he sort of laid out the the premise behind weapons of mass deception during that first lunch wow and that was a year ago april so quite a while ago wow where are you two based uh, we're in uh, Twin Cities of uh, Minneapolis. Oh, okay. So you, you actually live in the same city. Yeah, we're, we're yeah we live about a half hour apart. We our our writing style is a combination of Skype calls and uh, and uh-huh. and face to face meetings. It's uh, yeah. we sort of mix it up depending on sort of what's going on. Sure. So when you you know you first got together and you decided on this concept, how did you go about structuring the novel and how did you what, what was what did your creative process look like? Go ahead, JR. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, that's a great question because uh, if, you, if you think of it this way, people don't generally go to a service academy unless they're kind of a type A lead from the front kind of person. Yep. Uh, so, so what you're talking about here <laughs> is combining a couple of people who are both type A's, who both have a, a pretty clearly, uh, a pretty clear understanding of what it is they want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we weren't sure how it was going to work out. Uh, and we sort of learned a process of collaboration as we went through uh, the writing process. And initially what we did is we decided, Let, let's sit down and let's figure out what the story arc is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And we spent a, a, a decent amount of time working on that. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, I think David will back me up on this. The, the, the overall arc of the story really never changed from start to finish. Mm. But it was the interior stuff, uh, chapter by chapter, and uh, character development and whatnot. A lot of that changed dramatically from the very beginning. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Dave continue on from there. Yeah, so so we sort of felt our way along, felt our way through the process. I mean, we we spent a lot of time up front talking through the story arc, and JR is exactly correct. The mm-hmm. the uh, the 
we had a very clear beginning and we had a very clear end. The, those scenes were pretty much blocked out in like the second meeting and they, uh-huh. and they never changed. Um, yeah. A bunch of stuff interior changed. Um, so we, we went, so from, from the initial concept, we started meeting face to face with a big whiteboard and doing a lot of timeline work. So hmm. the, the book spans a period of 13 years from the, from the beginning of the second uh, Gulf War to hmm. uh, just before the presidential election in, in 2016 and mm-hmm. we really wanted to spend a lot of time to make it as authentic as possible so so we use as many real events mm-hmm. as we could and then we layered in fictional events and so some of the things that you know some people will occasionally email us or talk to us about a certain scene and they're like no that didn't really happen did it um, which is which is kind of flattering that's, and kind of scary yeah, at the same time right i said that was a win that's good yeah. <laughs> but yeah right so so we went from uh from sort of whiteboarding it and getting the details down to a process where and we'd sort of work this out was uh we would agree on on sort of a scene structure, and JR would go away and write a detailed outline, including all the research. So if I needed uh-huh. to know what a brake bulk freighter looked like, he w- I would get a picture of a brake bulk freighter and the specs and these kinds of things. Um, from, so, from JR? Yeah. So, wow. so okay. um, then I would do the I would do the writing, the drafting, and mm-hmm. and a copy would go to him for sort of light editing. And once we got the whole thing together, then we do, uh, we do, um, content editing, uh, together. And then, and then we went into a pretty extensive beta reading process, which I'll let JR talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, what we, and to go back to what David was saying, we realized probably about, you know, right before we started the actual writing process, we realized the book has to be in, a single person's voice. It couldn't be like David writes one chapter, I write another chapter, that kind of thing. Because the reader would pick up on very different writing styles. Sure. And so David being the better writer of the two of us by far, uh, he was clearly the better choice to write the actual book itself, the first draft. So anyway, we got done with all this, you know, back and forth editing. Uh, we, we felt really good about where we were at on the story. And we specifically selected or selected 12 people uh, for their specific backgrounds to serve as our beta readers. And we sent it out to them over the holidays, uh, Christmas, uh, early January holidays. Let's talk timeline then. So so you started writing this about, what, about a year ago, you said? Uh, We actually started the writing in July of last year. Okay. So when did you actually start the initial process, like your first initial whiteboarding? Oh, probably May... Mid-day. Yeah, yeah, like middle, late May, a couple months before then. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you then put it out to beta readers by by December. December, you said by like yeah. the oh, wow. So six six months. So yep. you had a you had a pretty solid draft out that was ready to be uh, critiqued. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. And, How and many so beta readers? Basically, the the process was we would get together about every seven to ten days, and we'd figure out you know what's going to happen over the next five to six chapters. And we talked about it in great detail. We'd have a pretty good framework. And then I would go ahead and, and do that initial chapter outline and all the research of the technical material. And then I'd try and get, get it to David as quickly as, as we could. The guy is a machine uh, <laughs> as a writer. And he would catch up to me like, you know, like that. So it, it, was a, it was a challenge to stay ahead of him. And usually he caught me. Uh, so we probably would have been done faster with the draft if we had put more effort into the 
the design up front and the research up front before he starts his writing process. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like that, how you two play off of each other, because, I mean, you've got, I know when I'm writing, I have to be the guy that goes out and researches and outlines, but it would actually be really nice to have someone to do that for me, so then I could just go in and, and just fill in the, the fun bits, <laughs> the writing part. But so so you, you outlined, and when you were outlining, John, um, were you actually trying to hit plot points and, and present things like the flow of the story um, through that outline, or was it um, something more of a, I don't know, a loose thing that David could then take over from? Well, you know, it was interesting because it varied from my chapter, really. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the chapters that we talked about extensively together when we were whiteboarding it, uh, I kind of knew what he was looking for, and he had a pretty good, clear, clear idea of what he wanted to write. So really all I needed to give to him was, was sort of a specific outline of, of what we we're looking for and then the research. And there were other chapters that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure he really had a clear idea of what he wanted to draft, but I did. So mm-hmm. I'd give him a, a, like a draft of, a ch- of the whole chapter, and then he would take it, you know, tweak it around, move it around, put it in his voice, or uh, it, sometimes it gave him a, a great idea and he'd take off on a different tangent. And uh, it was funny because we've talked about this a, a few times with a number of people. What I gave him as outlines that, you know, we thought this is what we wanted to do. Uh, mm-hmm. What came back to me from, from David was sometimes very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great, though. I mean, it was yeah, all excellent, great. right? Excellent, right? Yeah. So it's that process, nice. I think, worked out really well for us. Uh, you know, produced what we felt was a very, a very good first draft. We were very proud of it. So then we yeah. sent it off to our beta readers. <laughs> and how many beta readers was this? A dozen. Yeah. A dozen. Okay. <laughs> And we stood by to uh, to get the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the fun part. So tell me about these yeah. beta readers, like how you went about selecting them. Like, what makes an ideal beta reader? Uh, David, you want to take that one? Yeah. So so we actually put a lot, a lot of thought and a lot of time into this because um, I had used beta readers before, but I'd always used sort of general beta readers and, you know, got sort of general story feedback. And we really wanted, so, so one of our goals up front was to be as authentic as possible about the military aspects as well as the cultural aspects of it. So mm. we, we, we really selected um, people. So, so we had one beta reader who was born in um, uh, Iran mm-hmm. and then, and then uh, came here when she was in her 20s. Uh, we had um, an active duty FBI agent. We had, um, uh, I, I'm not sure if the SEAL was still active duty or... No, he is, he is retired. He is retired. Yeah, so, so, so we had uh, a number of military readers. We had some cultural readers. We had some, uh, some just general thriller readers. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. then we had some just casual readers. Um, right. And we tried to vary ages also. So we, 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 we really wanted to cut across... As, as wide a section, and some of the more technical readers, we really, I mean, so some of them were also pressed for, for, for time. So we would, we would point them to specific points and say, there's a SEAL team raid here. We really need you to look at this and critique it and tell us mm. if we're, if, if we're you know, you know, sort, of, sort, of, sort of missing the mark either on accuracy or on tone. Yeah. So you sent it out, and then you waited. Uh-huh. What came back and what did you do with the information? So we got back. Um, so of the 12, 11 of them finished the book. Uh, we had one drop out for. Yeah. So yeah, that's, a, that's and, ambitious. 
one of the reasons why we went with 12 was because we anticipated we'd lose like a third of them because it's yeah. over the holidays and you yeah. know kids kids are on vacation etc mm-hmm. etc so we expected to lose probably a third we lost one actually wow um which which we were pretty happy about um mm-hmm. we also were pretty careful we actually put in the mobi file where the that that we sent to them, we we buried in the text a couple of qu- question pages. Uh, so 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 we put one at like the twenty percent point and basically asked, you know, uh, please make a couple notes here. Are you gripped by the story? Um, is it moving fast enough for you? Do you care about the characters? You know, not 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 like a long questionnaire, but like two or three tickler questions. Yeah. Um, that that because what what I found before is that people get to the end. And especially if the ending is strong, anything which was structurally impaired earlier on, they sort of forget about it, right? right. So, so we really wanted them to sort of make notes early on. Mm-hmm. We put another one at, uh, I guess, the 50% point, and then one at like the the 80% point, and then, of course, a longer questionnaire at the end. Yeah. The, so, so, I mean, we got back, and I, we did a couple blog posts about this stuff, but we got back, I think, consolidated was like 50 pages of comments. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty impressive how much... Uh, yeah dedication our, our beta readers gave to us and we were yeah. very appreciative of that yeah so so if you dig through all that and we read every single comment and looked at it some of them were sort of typos and you know technical issues which sure. which we which we jumped on but the two overall structural things was one the beginning needed to move faster yep and two uh there was a relationship between two of the main characters a male and a female that really didn't work and basically we got <laughs> lambasted by our beta readers that said you guys need to work this out there's a you didn't set it up b yeah. it's dysfunctional and c it never gets resolved so so we really went back to the drawing board so, so that so that female character who um had not really been a main character in the rewrite became a main character became a, a point of view character so we ended up probably rewriting 20 25 percent of the book um mm-hmm. from the, from those comments yeah you got lucky 25 yeah, yeah, yeah. is not too bad yeah real quick david uh, had you written a, a book before then or multiple books or other stories like so, how much experience had you so had? i've written four science fiction novels and a bunch mm. of short fiction okay and one of the attractions <laughs> to working with jr on this was i was i i really sort of wanted to try my hand at a different genre Mm-hmm. but I sort of wanted some training wheels. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so what I did find going in, you know, sort of major differences, um, there's a lot of research that goes into a thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you might, you might read an entire article or an entire book or spend half a day on, on, um, on a topic and it, yep. and it ends up that it's, you know, two sentences in the book. Yep. Uh, but it flavors a lot of stuff around it. So yep. um, having a partner uh, really, really helped. Yeah, no, I, I'm thinking of how much I would enjoy that now. <laughs> 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 All right. So the, you re- rewrote 25%. Yep. You got another draft out. Did you send that back out to your beta readers or just move into like a copy editing phase? We moved to a copy editor after that. Yeah. Okay. And did your copy editor also do content editing or was it just strictly like proofreading? Like what role did they play? Uh, so, so this is a um, the copy editor we used was the one I've used on all my books except for my very very first book, um, and so so I have a very good good working relationship with her. Um, so she does a little bit of both. So I mean she'll she'll read for any plot holes or any plot issues mm-hmm. um, or things 
that don't make sense and, and she'll highlight those and then she does like a heavy copy edit um, in addition to that. What's your copy editor's name? Her name is Sarah Kolb Williams. I've heard of and, her. I was actually looking at her, I believe. She wrote yeah. a book, didn't she? She has an she Amazon did. book. She yeah. did. She, I actually she wrote a book di- um, called, I think, uh, Self-Editing for Indies. Yeah. Um, which, I, had yeah. I read the book before I went to look for an editor, it would have been vastly simpler. Um, very, <laughs> very good book. Very, very, I mean, the, so everybody ought to get that, a copy of that book and read yeah. it. Um, when they be before they start the search of thinking about yeah. how to find an editor. Absolutely, I find that. Um, so when I was was looking for my copy editor for Modern Rituals, um, it was actually really hard because I didn't know anything about copy editing. But one of the things that really helped me is going on Amazon and finding copy editors who had written a book about copy editing. Sure. And she was one of the ones that uh, came up, and and I think I reached out to her. But then I found yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another book. Uh, 12 little edit self-editing steps or something. I can't remember what it was, but it was by uh, uh, Bridget McKenna. I ended up hiring her daughter, Marty McKenna, but she did, she did wonders. And uh, yeah, yeah, but, but ha- having that, I was able to probably save myself quite a bit of money, you know, yeah. because I was able to edit beforehand uh, based on the rules I read in the book, right. which are, were enormously helpful. Um, cool. So then, so that, that was so the whole thing took about what, eight months, year before you actually ready to publish it? So let's see. We pulled the trigger on publishing at, on May 15th. Got it. Um, so, so a little over a year. And part of that was uh, we wanted to have the print version out because we had run a Kickstarter campaign um, yeah, let's in talk about uh, that. March so let's and talk April. About, let's talk about the Kickstarter campaign. Sure. What, what was that all about? JR, you want to take that one? Yeah. So we, we recognized that, uh, well, Part of how we were working together uh, when we'd get together every, you know, seven to ten days to work out the storyline was to also think about some key questions. Uh, You know, do we want to try and find an agent? Do we want to try and, you know, go to a publishing house on our own? You know, how do we Mm want to get this thing out there to the world? Mm Mm-hmm. And after doing some fairly extensive research for both of us, I mean, David had more experience than me, so I think he, he already had an idea in his head what he really wanted to do. Uh, but it was good that both of us came to the same conclusion, that was that self-publishing was really the best way to go. Yeah. And you probably have seen this, you know, talking to other writers, that the, the publishing industry is so fundamentally changed because of Amazon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. And, you know, I heard an anecdotal story from a fellow Naval Academy grad uh, when we got together at one of those events. And uh, he had heard about um, Tom Clancy towards the end of his life. He changed the name of Hunt for Red October and put a, you know, just some random author name on there and sent it in to a bunch of different publishing houses. And they all turned him down. What a great, what a great story. (laughs) When you hear an anecdote like that, you say to yourself, well, do I really want to try and die on the hill of finding a publishing yeah. or even an agent willing to represent me since that too is a massive challenge? Mm-hmm. Or do we want to try and self-publish? Yeah. And our decision was, let's, let's go for it on our own. Where, so we, where did you research this? Like, wh- how did you r- arrive at this conclusion? Like, w- what informed it? I have a friend of mine who is uh, an agent. Uh-huh. And he, he represents a very, <laughs> a very specific... <laughs> Uh, niche area of writing 
Uh, now you've got me curious. <laughs> yeah, so he, he represents Christian athlete authors, uh, uh, athlete and coach uh, coaches who are authors. Uh-oh. Gotcha. Okay. So I mean, it's very, very specific, right? Sure. Yeah. But he still has, you know, a great deal of experience in how the publishing industry works and and what it means to be an agent and, and mm-hmm. agents are seeking. I mean, they're they're not looking for. <laughs> They're not looking for people who are, or, you know, right out of the gate think they have something. They they want to find really talented writers. And mm. as we all know, some of us have better skills than others. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he was he was very helpful. Uh, David had reached out to a lot of people that he's met over time, and uh, we actually reached out to the Naval Institute Press directly. Oh, and because uh, we're you know they're they're located at the Naval Academy. Uh-huh. Uh, and as graduates, we sort of have an you know, almost an automatic in, right? Right. And talking to them, we found out that if we had submitted our our final draft of yep. the manuscript in early May, even if they read through it and and thought it was perfect, it was going to take them six months to do their initial review and get back to us. Yeah. And not, you know, they even wanted to pick it up, mm-hmm. and then it would be at least another year beyond that before it would be ready for uh, sales. Yep. So 18 months to us sounded kind of ridiculous since we were tracking rapidly towards a, a specific target date of mid to late May to publish. And, and we were mm-hmm. on track of it. So we decided that to, to really not only advertise the fact that we had this book coming out uh, that we felt was going to be a pretty decent product based on all the feedback we were getting from not only mm-hmm. the majors, but, you know, David's uh, editor and whatnot, we realized uh, this is going to be a little spendy to do this the right way, and so let's try and get the get the buzz going through a Kickstarter campaign, uh, as well as you know help us uh, defray some of those costs. What what costs are you looking at trying to uh, defer? David, trying to get covered. What's that? Uh, David, did you, did you want to take that one? Off? Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, uh, editing and proofreading costs, uh, mm-hmm. covers, interior layout. So, mm-hmm. so when we set up the uh, Kickstarter campaign, we set it up that if the if the campaign funded, we were going to have an ebook version, a paperback version, and a limited edition hardback version. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so that's two interior layouts. That's three sets of covers. Um, that's editing, uh, of course, of course, editing. And uh, Jr. had the pretty brilliant idea, actually, um, of adding maps into the uh, into the hardback edition. Mm, yeah, uh, so it's a it, it it's a very location dependent story. Actually, each each chapter has a little date time group and a location mm-hmm. um, at at the start of of the chapter and the, and the collector's edition version also has a map of if it's in the Persian Gulf, it has a little star about where you are and, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, all in that's several thousand dollars. Um, uh, so we, we set a goal of $4,000 for the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Um, and we funded actually, I think it was like six days. Wow. Uh, We got a really big boost from the local military community here in uh, Minnesota. The, Mm -hmm. the service Academy connection actually put us on their, on their, uh, newsletter. Um, and then of course, friends, family, people who, who heard about it. And, and we really, you know, it was, it was a tremendous learning experience because everything you need to have to launch a book, a cover, a blurb, uh, endorsements, uh, all that stuff to launch a book, you need, you actually need to have to do the Kickstarter campaign. 
Um, Interesting. So it was it, it was sort of like a great prep work for the launch. Uh-huh. My son actually does a little bit of graphic design on the side, so mm-hmm. he did the video for us, um, and we launched it and funded within within a week, and then we ended up completing the funding at about 150% of the goal. That's great. That's great. So the Kickstarter went well. Then you launched, mm-hmm. and um, how did the how did your launch go? And when this this launch happened in late May, you said uh, middle of May it was May middle 15th. of May. Okay, so launch how did launch go? Good, actually. So so we've sold today um, several hundred copies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they were pretty front loaded, I think, and and you know. Tim Grawl and his course sort sort of mm-hmm. goes through this, right? Um, the the uh, peak and then sort of the slow, slow slope. What's been interesting about uh, this launch versus um, versus other books that I've launched is the number of paperbacks we've sold. We sell mm. probably one for one paperbacks and ebooks. Wow. Which we I I did not see coming. I mean, I mm-hmm. had had we not done the Kickstarter, I probably wouldn't even have done the paperback up front. Right. Um, but we did, uh, so so it was it was one of the Kickstarter gifts, and <laughs> and and we had the paperback ready to go, uh, coincident with the launch day. So 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 both were available, um, and so we've had very strong um, paperback sales. Mm-hmm. Um, are you using some type of print on demand or did you actually? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so who, for who the paperback, we use create space, create space Got and it. for the hardback version, which all 125 of them are sitting on my dining room table, uh, <laughs> to be signed on Monday to, to go out to our supporters. Um, we use lightning source, which is a yeah. completely different process than, than create space, by the way. But can um, we, can we talk about that? I, I'd like sure. to know, cause I, I'm an Ingram, Ingram spark guy and, yep. and I really like it, but I never actually use create space. So, so tell me how they're different. So CreateSpace, um, it, I found it to be quite a bit easier. Um, yeah. So it was, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, pretty simple. You know, I get somebody to do a, um, an interior layout and a cover, um, and then you upload it, and it's available, geez, um, you know, usually within a day, wow. order a proof copy, and then, and then you, you know, basically click a button, and it's available on Amazon. Um, and does it also go out to the other distribution sites like uh, Barnes and Noble? Because I know CreateSpace is owned by Amazon, right? Yeah. So you can do uh, um, extended distribution. I I have not uh, spent a lot of time on distribution of paperbacks. So, so of my other books, I have one other in in paperback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't actually sell that many paperback copies of it. I sell more eBooks. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I I. I know that the paperback is available on Barnes and Noble because um, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but um, but you get paid through through CreateSpace and not through the Barnes and Noble site. Right. Yeah. It all channels through that. Um, cool. So, uh, what's next? What, what do you guys have next going on? It sounds like you've got this book under your belt. Are you going to be writing another one? So, so we just released a um, a uh, companion short story to uh, Weapons of of Mass Deception, oh, and JR sort of uh, spearheaded that project. So I'll let him give you the the uh, background on it. Sure. Yeah. So towards uh, towards the end of the beta reader period, uh, there was an event, a real world event that happened down in South America in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, I don't know if you if the name Alberto Nisman rings a bell with you at all. 
doesn't, but... Hey, he was a special prosecutor that had been appointed uh, in their judicial system to try and uh, track down the culprits behind uh, a terrorist bombing back in 1994 uh, of the Jewish Community Center mm. in Buenos Aires. And uh, Nisban had been doing all this in-depth research and, you know, just really was like a, a pit bull, right? He wasn't going to give up on this thing. And he was supposedly coming up with these very interesting connections that went all the way to the top of Argentina's uh, uh, political elites, including the president and the, uh, and the foreign minister, that they had some potential financial collusion with Iran. Wow. <laughs> so if you've read the book or if you, you, know, you know the premise behind the book, uh, one of our antagonist characters in, in the story, Weapons of Mass Deception, happens to be in... Uh, the tri-border region of South America, which is Paraguay, uh, Brazil, and Argentina. And uh, during that time frame of you know, this actual event linked to Alberto Nisman, uh, our character, um, Rafik, uh, mm-hmm. happens to be, you know, kind of free, you know, a free agency, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And Alberto Nisman was found dead in his apartment building uh, a day before he was supposed to testify in front of the Argentine uh, Argentine Congress about uh, all of this investigation stuff that he'd revealed about the president and the foreign minister and all these other connections. Mm. So it brought, uh, I mean, a, a, an unbelievable groundswell of, uh, of activism in Argentina demanding justice for his uh, murder, because initially it was ruled a suicide, but it became pretty obvious as the investigation proceeded that he was in fact murdered. So we, we heard about this as we're in the, the editing phase after the, the beta readers. And we thought to ourselves, my God, we, we, we can't let that one go. That's a great opportunity, right? Yeah, it sounds like it. So I continued to research it. And uh, as new evidence would come out, I was gathering all that information. And then I, I decided to go ahead and take a crack at, at, at writing the short story myself. So I sat down and drafted up the whole short story. And then uh, when I were at a point where I really thought the last of the evidence had come out. <laughs> oh, so wrong. Oh, so but then I sent it off to David and, uh, and he, so we, this was a second way of, of trying to collaborate on a project, right? Because we okay. had the set style that we discussed earlier in the interview. Mm-hmm. And this was a, a different version where we wanted it to be in the same, uh, the same voice as weapons of mass deception. Mm-hmm. Uh, so David took a crack at trying to, you know, edit it in his voice so that it all made sense. And uh, I, I think David will, will tell you that that was a, an awful lot harder for him to do, trying to take something that I had already crafted and trying to put it into his voice. Yeah. But I, I would tell you that, from, in my perspective, in the end, uh, after he did his work on it, it was, it was an even better story than, than I was anticipating we were going to have at the very end. Uh-huh. And uh, we, again, have been getting really strong reviews from those who've uh, downloaded it and read it. So... So how long, how many words is it? It's about, uh, it's about seven pages, whatever that is. Seven. Yeah, it's about uh, almost 13,000 words. So it's Got it. about 50 pages. And how are you distributing it? Uh, it's only on ebook on Amazon right now. Uh, uh-huh. We've not done anything in in print for that. So so I so I run a mailing list uh, from my website, which serves mm-hmm. for both my science fiction as well as the our uh, collaborative work. And we always give a free copy to subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
So that's on davidbruns.com. Uh, mm-hmm. People can, you know, get a free copy of uh, whatever short fiction comes out, uh, whether it's science fiction or whether it's the the uh, collaborative work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we got a couple of, of uh, reviews out of that, and then a you know a nice bounce in in, in sales from people who had re- either read Weapons of Mass Deception or we had one great review from a guy who says, you know, I don't know how I got on this mailing list, but I just read this short story and it's really awesome. And, <laughs> and you don't have to have read weapons of mass deception to really appreciate the, the short story. So right. it, was, it was good. So, so you can actually get the piece for free by signing up for your mailing list. Is that what you're saying? Um, so, uh, yes, uh, today it's, it's, um, well, so, so I put a link in on a, on a newsletter that went out, uh, I guess it was about two weeks ago now. Um, mm-hmm. So I have not uh, offered it to uh, people who are just signing up, but I'm in the process of getting that formatted and I'll get mm-hmm. it there. Yeah. Yeah. So how much is it on Amazon? Uh, it's, it, it's 99 cents. 99 cents. Yeah. And, and what's, what, what did you, where did you set weapons of mass deception? What's the price point there? Uh, Three ninety nine. And um, how did you arrive at that price? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pricing is always a a, a yeah. great subject, right? Um, yeah. We had initially priced it when it was in the pre order phase at four ninety nine, mm-hmm. uh, and we think it's worth four ninety nine. But we were afraid of pricing ourselves out of the market, and we'd rather have volume than dollars, sort of this early in our career. So, so we did yeah. drop it down before it actually launched. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, how did we arrive at that? We poked around Amazon and looked at similar novels and mm-hmm. said, this, this looks about right. Um, I, I, it, it was, um, we, my, my, my shorter work, which are, um, so my, my science fiction novels come in about 75,000 words. Yeah. Um, Good and I priced those at two ninety nine, mm-hmm. um, and this one we felt was a a a better book and b a longer book, um, and and was worth a premium. How many words did uh, weapons come out to be? One twelve, one fifteen. So it, it's about a four hundred, you know, a solid four hundred page book. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's not a it's not a wimpy book by any stretch of the imagination. When we started, we figured it was going to be ninety thousand, and Jr. is like, "No, this is going to go well over a hundred. And I'm like, "No, no, no, we got to keep it under a hundred. He says, "Look, man, I'm telling you, it's going to be more than a hundred. I'm like, "Look, I'm the writer. I know what I'm talking about. It was like I, I think the first draft was one twenty or one twenty yep. and change. And yep. from the feedback we got about about speeding up the beginning, we actually removed three chapters. Right. Um, so uh, I think it ended up at one fifteen, one fourteen, something like that. Oh, that's yeah. It's not too much of a reduction. But you said you rewrote twenty five percent of it, right? Yeah. So so we actually. Um, so yeah, you, you, you took out about twenty five percent, then added back in another twenty ish percent, right? Yeah. So 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 yeah. So some chapters which we took out um, because we added a brand new point of view characters. That was a combination of rewritten chapters, and I think there was one brand new chapter uh, yeah. in in her point of view. Mm, interesting. So you've you've got this process down. Mm-hmm. You've got your short story out. Um, what are the pros and cons of working with each other? Like, I, I think I've heard a lot of pros. Like, is there anything that's that you've struggled with? That's that's uh, you know made the process more difficult than it should have been, and are you working towards trying to figure out how to make it better? Well, we've actually already come up with a new process of, of how we're going to tackle the next book, which I, I think was part of your question a little bit. Yeah. Like, well, you know, what's next for us? Right. And uh, what we're going to do on the next book, 
uh, is we're going to work much harder up front in figuring out exactly what happens chapter by chapter uh, from start to finish for the whole book. So we both know exactly what's going to happen, you know, throughout with each of the characters that we're developing and, and whatnot. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to sit down and I'll do all that research and the, and the outlines again uh, and try and get about two thirds of the way through the book uh, and then give it over to David. So when he starts the first draft writing process, he can just go, go, go. And uh, hopefully I'll get everything to him by the very end as he's <laughs> you know, stay, stay ahead of him if I'm two thirds of, you know, of the book ahead of him when he starts the writing process. Uh-huh. So I think that'll be a, a lot different on this uh, approach and it will allow us to probably start writing uh, maybe September, uh, mm-hmm. no, first yeah. of October. That's our goal is no later than the first of October. And I think we'll be done with the first draft by, uh, you know, by the holidays again and, and can do the same process we did last year. Uh, yeah, I, reach out to some beta readers and, and have them take a crack at it. I wanted to comment on your little questionnaire, um, you know, deal in the, in the beta reader version of the book. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. Cause I, I, I did, uh, I had, I think five beta readers for, for, for modern and, um, you know, three of them got back to me and, and really I just sat down with them. I had maybe an hour long conversation. It wasn't yeah. like I had something that I could take and review, which is, I mean, I took notes when I spoke with them, but right, it's so right. much better to have that. Plus you're inspiring, um, them to think about things they may not normally, you know, give it to you yeah that's uh that's really great well guys i really want to thank you both for being on the podcast this this has been an awesome interview i i I, there's some things that i've never even thought of and how how great having a co-writer could be yeah (laughs) um but where can people find out more about both of you so um, we're using my website as a shell for uh, both my science fiction and for uh, collaborative work. Um, mm-hmm. So it's davidbruns.com, B-R-U-N-S. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and you can find out uh, information about the book there. Uh, we run a separate tab on that uh, called Two Navy Guys in a Novel, where we've uh, basically done a weekly blog post almost every week since we started in last July, mm. um, where we talked about things like how we came to the conclusion of self-publishing versus traditional mm-hmm. publishing, how we uh, uh, did, we did I think, four, JR, posts on beta readers, um, mm. both. Yeah. Both selecting them, we introduce them not by name but by type. You know, this is our this is our cultural beta reader. This is our military beta reader, mm-hmm. um, and then sort of what the, what feedback we got back from them, and sort of what we did with, with that whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 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 blog actually was a pretty good way for us to collaborate or coordinate our thoughts and sort of get everything down on on. Uh, on paper going into the co-writing process we didn't really know how it was going to work out as a matter of fact i um we we started a little before we had the whole thing mapped out and part of the reason why we did is because we wasn't sure if it was going to work um so so i do recall very vividly early on i i wrote a chapter sent it to jr and he sends it back he says man this is not going to work yeah so uh because we were still messing around with the character let me be clear about that not the writing yeah 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 (laughs) writing was great it was we're the, having the, character the, problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah God um, knows I could have used some of that. <laughs> yeah. No. So, so, um, the, the collaborative process for us has been really, really positive. Um, yeah. uh, way more positives than, than negatives. I mean, I think it tends to be a little slower because every time you do something, you sort of have to go back to the other person and say, Hey, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, what do you think? 
Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like running a Kickstarter campaign, you know, twice as many people you can contact, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, marketing. Um, if, you're, yeah. if you're if you're divvying up, you know, putting out press releases or contacting people for endorsements. I mean, you you two people to do the work. Uh, that normally a loan writer has to do. So I highly recommend, uh, you know, it, if you ever get the chance to do a creative project with a friend, um, I would say go for it. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it, it might crash and burn, but it, <laughs> but it also might not, you know? <laughs> so would you recommend trying to do it with a friend or, or I mean, where would you find a good partner in, in this sort of endeavor? Um, yeah, great question. And, you know, we sort of fell into it. So, so I don't know that I have a good answer for you. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for a way to branch out of the science fiction I was writing into some sort of mainstream genre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, JR had already written a screenplay. So, so he had oh. a sort of, sort of creative process and everything. And, and I think wanted to do it and also came with this great idea. Um, so, I mean, it was sort of a match that, that worked. Um, mm-hmm. I would say if you've got a somebody who compliments what you do, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would give it a shot. I mean, yeah. maybe it maybe it goes down in a ball of flame, but you know, maybe it doesn't. Or you two could go speak at a meeting, and someone just say, "Hey, you two should write a book together." <laughs> yeah. That might be that might be a good sign. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When people start to tell you you two should really work together, that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to link. Uh, I want to link to all that follow-up material on your website because right. um, it sounds like we touched upon a lot of things. You've gone into great we detail. Did. We did. So that's awesome. I'm really excited about that. Um, and guys, want to thank you uh, again for being on the podcast. It's great. And um, yeah, I'll uh, make sure that people can link to you, and uh, we'll go on from there. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Leonard. Thank you. For more episodes and giveaways, head over to www.bleedinginc.fm. That's www.bleedinginc.fm. If you want to help me out even more, you can go check out my book, Modern Rituals, The Wayward Three, on Amazon today. And also, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a software guy and I make tools for writers. Check out jslauthor.com. That's for J.S. Leonard, jslauthor.com. There you can sign up for my mailing list, get free tools, and all kinds of awesome stuff. Thanks for listening. The ink is run dry. See you next time.